When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, October 22nd. Who said late October can't be fun for us tennis fans? Sincerely, folks, you name your favorite type of storyline, I guarantee we see some version of it unfolding here this week across our four pro tour events. If you're like me, you enjoy young stars on the Ascension. We've got a plethora of them doing just that this week. You look over in Antwerp. Top seed Yannick Sinner has cruised, earning victories over both Lorenzo Musetti and Arthur Rindernesh in straight sets to reach the semifinals, where of course he's joined by a fellow next-gen star in Jensen Brooksby. The soon-to-be 21-year-old just continues to crank out victories. He's won over 80% of his matches on the year into another semifinal over in Antwerp as he uh, earns a straight set victory over Alejandro Davidovich Fokina in his Friday quarterfinal match. Of course, on the women's side, one of the, I suppose, overlooked teenagers at this point. You can understand why, given the success of Emma Raducanu winning the U.S. Open, Leila Fernandez making the final, Coco Goff inside the top 25 as a 17-year-old. It's easy to overlook the success of Maria Camilla Osorio-Serrano, who of course has won a WTA title here this season, finds herself inside the WTA top 100 uh, before turning age 20. She's been exceptional once again this week in Spain. The big victory for her, of course, over Alina Svitolina earlier in the tournament but she now finds herself in the semifinal round as well. After she earns a straight set victory over Sai Sai Zhang, of course, she is joined by Camilla Georgie. Uh, she's joined by fellow young uh, youngster Anne Lee in the semifinal round, as well as Alize Cornet. So plenty of fun action for us to discuss over in Tenerife. And of course, we haven't even mentioned the events over in Moscow, our highest level event, the WTA 500 happening on the women's side. Had some upsets here on Friday as we set up a semifinal Saturday. A continued ascension for Annette Conteve. There are people who play confidently, and there are people who have found their confidence. I believe Annette Conteve is now the latter. Clearly, something has clicked for her down the home stretch. She earns a one-in-one victory over Garbine Muguruza. I want to talk about her performance, how exceptional she was, and again, what this bodes for her moving forward. Of course, want to talk about the Drus, Marketa von Drusova. She continues to rock and roll in this post-Olympic stretch. She had a great win, maybe the win of the season for Ekaterina Alexandrova. Straight sets for her over Arena Sabalenka. Sakari over Simona Halep as well. All of that is to say, plenty of exciting action for us to discuss on today's podcast. Of course, before we get to all of that, just two quick things for all of you listeners. A, 
I do apologize for the lack of mini break podcast episode yesterday. My hand is up. That's an unforced error on me. I do apologize. Had nothing to do with super producer Daniel Westoff. Had everything to do with the fact that sometimes when you're home and you haven't seen your parents for a while, you get distracted by their company. You enjoy doing things like going to dinner with them or going to the mall when your mom's like, Alex, I've seen your wardrobe on the Crack Rackets YouTube channel. It's atrocious. It's my role as your mother to ensure you don't embarrass me when you're on camera. So guess what? We're going to get new clothing. Those are just the things you can't avoid when you're home. And guess what? When the parents make the decision, at least in the Gruskin household, you listen. You follow along. So all that is to say, I know I'm making excuses here. I do apologize for the lack of mini break podcast episode yesterday. I think I warned all of you listeners that may have been the, that may be the case uh, when we spoke on Tuesday. But nevertheless, I do apologize for that fact. Going to try and make up for it here. On today's show, which again, will have to remain on the briefer side as I do have some family obligations here Friday night before I head back to Indy this weekend for a Crack Rackets tournament. And speaking of our Crack Rackets tournament, our Crack Rackets team, it's worth reminding you listeners each and every episode that sincerely the work we do here at Crack Rackets, the opportunity to host events for juniors as we are doing this weekend and throughout the 2021 season, the opportunity to cover the Pro Tour day in, day out, provide the information we know you tennis fans deserve. It's only made possible because each of you continue to listen each and every day because of the support we get as well from our Crack Rackets Patreon family and, of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Best equipment, best prices, all in one location, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Again, that's tennis-point.com. Symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, let's get into it. And again, we're going to rapid fire here. Going to try and keep today's podcast under 20 minutes, provide you all, again, as much of an extensive look as I can at what to expect this weekend. But then we're going to come back this weekend with a couple of guests as well to help me break down this week's action as there certainly has been some very exciting tennis for a late October. Let's start with the aforementioned event for the women in Moscow. And I know I did the whole thing. Well, you know, I'm watching the young players on the Ascension. Most of the players finding success here this week in Moscow are players that we've grown familiar with over the course of the season. Of course, you look for number three seed Maria Sakari, who raced out to, I believe, 4-1 leads in each of the sets she played against eight seed Simona Halep. Ultimately, a little bit of drama, but Sakari, in the end, 6-4, 6-4 victory over the eighth seeded Halep. You look for Maria Sakari now, currently number seven in the live rankings. One more victory for her, though she'll surpass I believe Alina's Fidelina end up, oh, excuse me, she's got to actually win the title this week to surpass Fidelina, reach a new career high of number six, but she is now again number seven in the live rankings. That would be a career high for the 26-year-old from Greece. You look for her in the points race. She's officially clinched her spot in the year-end finals in Guadalajara, currently fifth in terms of points accumulated on the season. Look, I mean, this has been the breakthrough. You know, this is what the prime of Maria Sakari is going to look like, and what was so fascinating in the Simona Halep matches, how difficult it was for Simona Halep to hurt Maria Sakari in any sort of fashion. And I do wonder if part of that's a byproduct of, again, just the lack of match play Simona Halep's had here in 2021. Or maybe is it a sign of a diminishing physicality for Simona Halep, who, of course, from 2013 to 2020 was arguably the most consistent women's player on tour, not named Serena Williams, and just, you know, the physicality she brought week in, week out to each and every match she played, arguably the highest floor again we saw of the decade of any women's player and yet you know again 
the older you get, the more difficult it becomes to scrap your way out of corners, to find the depth, the pace, the excellent you need to for Simona Halep, whose game is predicated on catching you off guard, on beating you to the spot, right? Getting to that ball a little bit earlier than you expect and beating you down the line with pace or just, you know, grinding you down physically, forcing you to hit six, seven, eight, you know, shots per rally, just force you always to make that extra ball, she couldn't hurt Maria Sakari at any point in this match. Now, there were moments, of course, again, Sakari builds 4-1 leads. In the end, it's a 6-4, 6-4 match. There were moments when Sakari's game began to break down. But what was so impressive for me in this match was her ability to dictate in a variety of fashions. We've talked about it all season long. The serve plus one forehand is that much better. So it really is, uh, you know, for her this season, that's probably been the biggest stride that she's taken, just again, progressing uh, with that first serve. And again, you look for her against Halep. She won uh, over 55% of her service points for the match. Now, she only made 44% of her first serves against Halep, and that's why we saw the scoreboard be as tight as it was. But, you know, again, fought off seven of the 10 break points that she faced, was able to earn five uh, breaks of Simona Halep herself, and just you know, again, what what makes Sakari so impressive is the physicality she brings now each and every match, plus a little bit of extra pop. And for Sakari, who's holding serve 72.2% of the time, that's her sixth straight year, consecutive year of improvement. It's also a career high uh, for her. She's winning 68.9% of her first serve points. Again, sixth consecutive year of improvement, career high for her. The second serve points one has dropped a bit, but it's worth noting that you know, again, she's, uh, and, and the first serve percentage is below her career average, but it's worth noting she's trying to be more aggressive with her serve locations, with her, you know, power on the serve, because it sets up the plus one forehand, which is without a doubt the best shot in her arsenal. And what was so particularly impressive today against, uh, against, excuse me, Simona Halep was just the way, you know, she was willing to move forward play the drop volley at the net, just play plus one volleys and take time away from Simona Halep, who, of course, will always track down your first approach shot, but as she continues to try and find her rhythm, try and refine her footing uh, in these matches, match in, match out, will struggle to track down that second pass right now. And of course, two passing shot combos is what Simona Halep made a living on. Uh, but Maria Sakri forced her to hit them so frequently throughout the course of this match. When you know you watch point after point, it really did feel like Sakri was the one constantly doing the dictating and win Simona Halp would come to the net, it would be a bailout, right? A bailout drop shot or just, you know, again, or it was so glaringly obvious that she needed to be at the net that, of course, she would get there. Um, I, I just thought Sakari just had more ways to attack Halep than Halep did Sakari in this match, and that is not something you would have ever thought we'd be saying uh, heading into 2021, and it's a testament, again, to the development for Maria Sakari. She's at that career high, number seven in the live rankings. You look for her overall on the season. It's going to be a career high for her in terms of, again, all of those hold percentage, first serve win percentage, probably total wins, win percentage in general. She's now 36 and 17 on the year, winning 68% of her matches, but of course, she's doing that at the highest level events, right? Semi-finals for her French Open, semi-finals for her Miami, semi-finals for her Abu Dhabi, now semi-finals here at the 500 in Moscow, also made the final over on the indoor hard course, the 500 level in Ostrava. She has been that exceptional this week, and again, interesting to see how difficult it was for Halep to penetrate the court. That's absolutely something to keep an eye on moving into 2022, but of course for Halep, you give her the benefit of the doubt until she's fully healthy, has had a full offseason to get her training back to where she wants it to be. Nevertheless, quite clear the physicality 
developing plus one power tennis of Maria Sakari continues to improve. She earns the victory to advance to the quarterfinals. By the way, we could have an Ostrava final rematch as Annette Conteve has continued her winning ways. And sometimes you just know when you see it. And if you've watched Conteve really since her run to the title in Cleveland prior to the U.S. Open, you're just seeing it right now. You see a player in full command, full control of every aspect of their game. And of course, you look for Annette Conteve, who's 38 and 15 overall on the season, winning 72% of her matches, right? Has won, you know, not only the titles in Ostrava and in Cleveland, but also made a final in Eastbourne earlier in the season. You know, quarterfinals for her in Doha, quarterfinals for her in Stuttgart. She's been consistent all year long, but the biggest jump for her has been the free points on the first serve. You look for her across matches, again, you know, whether it was the 81% of first serve points she won against Bedosa in Ostrava, or 77%, or excuse me, 88% against uh, Beatrice Haddad Maya at Indian Wells. Today against Garbine Muguruza, she won 90% of her first serves, 75% of her second serve points. You look at the numbers for Annette Conteve today, they were just, they were just silly. And again, having watched the match, it had everything to do with Annette Conteve. It had nothing to do with a poor Garbine Muguruza performance. You look for Annette Conteve, who goes overall 29 of 35. She dropped six points on serve in the match. She wins, let's see, 12 plus 13, 25 of the 41 points she plays as a returner. I mean, yeah, that's how you get a one-and-one scoreline. And for her, six aces on the day. And it was the slice out wide on the deuce. She found it so effectively time after time. And just to get Muguruza stretched outside the alley with that serve, you just can't give Annette Conteve a full open court to work with right now because whether it's a forehand or a backhand, and that's always been her strength, you know, her consistency off of both wings, her ability to hurt you somewhat off of both wings. Now she can really hurt you off of both wings to the open space. She's more comfortable moving forward, hitting the swinging volley. Her ability to step up on the return of serve, just crank cross court and down the line winners and change her location on the return each and every point. She, I'm sorry, for lack of a better term, she Muguruza up. Like, there was nothing Garbine Muguruza could do on this day to stop Annette Conteve, and you look for Conteve now. Again, ex- if you exclude that entire Chicago tournament, which we might as well because uh, ex- Chicago 2, which was where she beat Brangle, then withdrew against my, hot- uh, my I believe, who'd she play? Hantama, excuse me. You just look at her record since the start of Cleveland again. Cleveland began August 23rd. It was the week before the U.S. Open. You look for Annette Conteve since that time. She's 19-2 and two overall, 18-1 and one technically, with her one loss being 5-3 and three to Own Jabour at Indian Wells. You look for her during the stretch of time. She's winning 70% of her first serve points, 51% of her second serve points, 48% of her return points in general. And of course, you look at that 19-2 and two record against opponents ranked inside the top 50. She's 10-2. and two. It's not like it's a cupcake schedule, right? 19-2. Two overall, twelve uh, of those matches have been against top fifty opponents. She's ten and two in them. She's earned wins over Mugarusa, over Sakari, over Benchich, over Bedosa, over Cerebes Tormo, over some of the most informed players on tour this season. What more is there to say? She was cranking. It was an exceptional performance for Annette Conteve to advance one and one. Of course, you also had Katarina Alexandrova, who just could not have had a better opponent in Arena Sabalenka. Sabalenka providing the heavy topspin, the heavy face, 
Alexandrova able to just bunt down, take the ball early on the rise, beat her to the spot so frequently. And of course, you could see the rust for Sabalenka. This is only her third straight set loss of the season, of course, uh, for Arena Sabalenka still coming back after the COVID diagnosis. You could tell in the outer thirds, just the lungs weren't quite there for her to go the distance on each and every point as she needed to against Alexandrova, who really did do such a good job absorbing and redirecting that first strike. But nevertheless, Sabalenka, in the end, falls short. Alexandrova earning the win probably of her season, 6-3-6-4, to advance to the semifinals. And of course, we talked about Alexandrova exclusively uh, extensively on Wednesday's podcast, so can leave that there. Can, we'll also leave uh, this here because I know I've talked about the Drews quite a bit recently, but Marquette von Drews, a 22-year-old former French Open finalist, maybe now 23, uh, 6 4 six, two, over Anastasia Pavlchenkova and just, you know, again, best backhand drop shot in tennis, men's or women's, the physicality she can play with, the fluidity in the outer thirds, she can hit every shot in the book, short angles, elevated topspin over the net, depth, you know, drives down the line, it doesn't overwhelm you with pace, but everything else you could ask for from a tennis player, Marketa Von Drusva can do. She absorbed, redirected the pace, and has the athleticism to hang with the big hitters as well. 4-2 and two over Pavlachenkova. Still outside the top 30 of the live rankings is Von Drusva, but she's in the top 30 in terms of the points race. And quite frankly, I know this is my hottest take right now. I'm stewing on it. We'll talk about it more in December. Von Drusva to the top 10. Let me put it like this. If you're a listener to this podcast and you are a hardcore listener who listen, you know, remembers things like this, I don't know why you would, but at the end of the 2019 season when we did our State of the Union uh, for American Tennis with Jonathan Kelly, I went on this big rant of why I thought Sonia Kennan was quietly the second best American in women's tennis uh, in 2019 and why I thought she was perfectly poised for the breakout 2020 that eventually she went on. And I apologize. I'm patting myself in the back here, and I always hate when people call out their successes because I think all of you listeners know there are way more misses than there are successes. Just go look at our Indian Wells Ace of the Day podcast. But all of that said, Van Drusseva to the top 10 in 2021, uh, 2022 is a take I will be brewing, is a take I will be sitting on, and is a take I would love to hear your thoughts on as well. So at Great Shot Pod, if you disagree vehemently, you agree vehemently, whatever it is, you know I want to hear it. So that is where, of course, you can find me, but that is where things stand in Moscow. Again, we're going to rapid fire here down the home stretch. I always spend too long on the first tournament, but that's a testament to the success and, again, the quality of Moscow. And for the record, Sakari, 72% favored over Alexandrova tomorrow. Conteve, 64-36 split uh, for her against Marketa Van Drusseva. Should be two extraordinary semifinals to kick off the day. Of course, after that, we head over to Tenerife, where honestly, the action in Spain is still pretty freaking fun. You look across the board, uh, we've got a couple of youngsters still alive. Maria Camille Osorio Serrano into another semifinal for her on the season as she uh, follows up her victory over Svitolina with a 5-1 and win over Sai Sai Zhang for Anne Lee. Impressive 7-5, 7-5 win over uh, Arena Camilla Bagu. You look... Quickly, we'll start with Osorio Serrano, who, by the way, here in 2021, 34 and 16 overall on the season. That's a 68% win percentage you look for her now. Of course, it's not going to surprise any of you to learn. She had a new career high of number 55 in the rankings. You look for her points accumulated here this season. Osorio Serrano currently 15, uh, excuse me, 49th overall in the year. Yeah, she's been a top 50 player. The results dictate as much. She makes, you know, the title run in Bogota earlier in the season, makes semifinals of Charleston too, makes, you know, uh, semifinals here in Tenerife as well. Third round for her at Wimbledon before she 
she's knocked out by Arena Sabalenka. You look for her, I believe, second round U.S. Open. Uh, let's see. She lost final round qualifying at in Australia, but qualifies for Roland Garros before losing first round. Again, she's put herself in a perfect position. Turns 20 years old at the end of the season. She's going to get to play whatever schedule she wants entering next year. That's all you can ask for, I suppose. As she enters her 20, Camilla, uh, Maria Camilla Soro-Serrano, certainly uh, one to watch. But, of course, she's got tricky tricky matchup as Camilla Georgie will be her semifinal opponent. Of course, Georgie uh, coming through in three sets early in the tournament, your Montreal champion. We all know when the hard-hitting Italian is clicking, there's not much more uh, you can do. She's going to swing freely, and so uh, that should be a super fun match. Fun contrast of styles, of course, and Lee uh, taking on Alizé Cornet. That's two very well-rounded players as well. I love Love, love, love the Ann Lee forehand. If you haven't seen, I want to say still 20 years old. Yeah, the 20 year, uh, one-year-old, excuse me, American, who, by the way, you look for her this season, pretty solid across the board. You look overall now 21-13 and 13 here this year. This semifinal, I believe, is one, two, third, fourth semifinal of the year for her. She's made semifinals now in Australia in the warm-up event. She made semifinal in Monterey uh, in Mexico earlier in the season. Semifinals for her at the Chicago 120. 25 quarterfinals, I suppose, at the Columbus 125 semifinals here in Tenerife as well. That's how, if you're Ann Lee, you get yourself into the top 75 of the rankings and you look for Lee now. She, I believe, uh, currently sits, let's see, Ann Lee 57. That's a new career high for her. Of course, you want to look in the points race 57th as well. Nice to see those two numbers begin to overlap once again. Still, should be a super, super fun home stretch to the WTA action over in Tenerife. Of course, that's where things stand on the women's side. We're going to rapid fire through the men's. I am, I promise, my word to you, Cracked Rackets listeners. Hold me accountable. Now, we do have a tournament tomorrow, so it's going to come later, but you will get a late night mini break podcast on both Saturday and Sunday. The action is just too good. We're ripping through Moscow here as I get the knock on my door. My dad's saying, Alex, you ready to go for dinner? I am ready. Just give me one second. But you look here. Oh, he's going to be so... Well, you know what the good news is? He's never going to hear that. My mom will hear that and be like, Michael, why did you knock on the door? You knew he was podcasting. First of all, that exchange won't happen. Um, but... You know, again, I'm home. That's how, by the way, when I start to leak into those impressions of my mom when she sounds like she's a smoking New Yorker, which is just the opposite of what my mom is, um, yeah, that's when you know I've been home probably for too long and need to head back to Indianapolis. Nevertheless, we look at where things are at in Moscow couple of Russians on their way to the semifinal. Aslan Karatsev, first semifinal for him, I believe, since Belgrade 2 before the French Open on the clay when he beat Novak Djokovic. He knocks off Jill Simone, who, by the way, was 4-20 and entering this event. Now meet, reaches the quarterfinals here. Earns pretty solid victory over Mackie McDonald in the round of 16 as well. Still going to chalk that up as a win for Jill Simone, but for Karatsev, the game's so smooth. And again, he's on the shortlist. Nori, Rude, Ivashka, uh, we did this discussion already, but it's it's Nori, Rude, Karatsev. That's that's your three in some order, whatever you prefer. For most improved player, of course, for Hatchinov, we talked about him last time. Much needed semifinal as he knocks off John Millman five and six. Speaking of veterans, uh, I don't know why we were speaking of veterans. That was poor transition. But Marin Cilic, one and two victory. Speaking of storylines, you're looking for the best Twitter account on. In tennis Twitter, did Marin Cilic win? The answer this week has been yes, as he earns a 1-2 and two victory over Pedro Martinez. Of course, an indoor hard court. You love that for the big hit in Croatian, who can still, you know, at times, he's still got it. I mean, he doesn't quite got it like he once did, but 
I just thought that was a really good matchup for him. Pedro Martinez, heavy topspin ball. Chilch able to bunt down on that ball in ideal conditions. One and two for him. And then two and six for Adrian Manorino, who upset Andre Rublev in three sets in the round of 16, of course. You know, Rublev's traditionally struggled in Moscow, which is interesting because it's an indoor hardcore event, but isn't Adrian Manorino just a brute? You know, that's the matchup Andre Rublev continues to struggle with, a guy who isn't providing much pace, is absorbing, redirecting everything Andre throws at him, throwing in slice, keeping the ball low, making things funky. When things are pretty, Andre Rublev's game looks as good as anyone, right? He can hit a tennis ball cleanly as well as any person on tour. It's when you funk things up and make, you know, the the improvisational skills show. That's when Rublev begins to struggle. Manorino exposing that for him. Nevertheless, it's lucky loser Barankis knocking off Manorino to advance to the semifinals. That's where things stand in Moscow. You head on over to the Twerp, a.k.a. Antwerp, uh, where, and by the way, we had a kid named Max Van Antwerp who was... I think he, I mean, I don't think he was a year younger than me in high school, and everyone called him Twerp. Can we call Antwerp Twerp? Does that work for everyone? Over in Twerp uh, here this week, we have our semifinal set. As mentioned, Yannick Sinner, 5-2 over Musetti, 4-2 over Arthur Rindernesh. The first serve has improved here in 2021, I think. Uh, the whole, Obviously, hold percentage is a career high. Break percentage, he continues to kill it match in, match out. The power is just so evident, so easy, and even though Rindernesh had the serve, had the forehand to keep Sinner on his back foot, he's also a sneaky, fluid mover in out of the outer thirds of the court, and just the power, the depth he can produce in his corners, his forehand cross-court when he's on the stretch. Good luck. Good luck. Again, it's when, not if, Sinner cracks the top 10 of the ATP rankings, and you look for Yannick Sinner here with this result up to number 12 in the live rankings. That's a new career high for him, currently 11th in the points race, and it really is, you know, a four-man race for those final two spots. Rude uh, currently with a under 400-point lead, but, you know, Rude first, Hercot second, Nori third, Sinner fourth. We've still got Vienna and the Paris Masters event on the board. Plus, let's be honest, would it shock you if Yannick Sinner goes on to win this event in Antwerp? Absolutely not. If he does that, he's down by fewer than 200 points against Kasparud with, again, Masters 1,000 points on the line on an indoor hardcourt that favors Sinner a little bit more conditions-wise and it favors Kasparud. That's absolutely something to keep an eye on. Of course, something we're keeping an eye on always, Jensen Brooksby, 7-5-6-love uh, into another semifinal in Antwerp over Davidovich Fokina. I mean, what's left to say? He doesn't make unforced errors. He never beats himself, which is the same as not making unforced errors, but he doesn't take, you know, he can absorb, redirect everything. He's going to put that return in play. He's going to put the serve in an uncomfortable position for you as a returner. He's going to put that plus one ball in a, somewhere on the court that you're not. Can just do a little bit of everything, can Jensen Brooksby. And again, what's left to say about him that hasn't already been said? The guy is an absolute stud, and so not a shock at all. To see him into another semifinal again, it's more surprising when he loses at this point than when he wins. So it's a really impressive victory for him over a fellow next-gener in Davidovich Fokina, of course. Joining those two, Diego Schwartzman knocks off Andy Murray in straight sets. 4-2 and win for him over Brandon Nakashima today as well. We also have Lloyd Harris into another semifinal. It's just worth mentioning. I know I tweeted this out uh, earlier today, but for Lloyd Harris on the season, 
26 and 12. That's a 684 win percentage. Overall on hard courts, 12 and 7 uh, against top 50 opponents on hard courts. That includes runs to the final of Dubai, U.S. Open quarterfinals, semifinals here in Moscow. South serve 86.8% of the time on hard courts, which of course would rank ninth overall on tour. That's elite, folks. Elite, elite. And most importantly, he's breaking over 20% of the time now for the entire season at 22.6% here on hard courts. What does that mean? It means he gets, you know, broken fewer than one out of every five times, and it means he breaks serve more uh, than one out of every five times. And from a math perspective, that's how you win sets on hard courts. Of course, again, it's just, it's the serve. He's your definition of a modern ATP player. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, massive serve, fluid off of both wings, better mover than you would expect someone his size to be. Just epitomizes the modern player and beat, you know, kind of a reflection of himself in Marton Fucevic, a guy Lloyd Harris can certainly see himself becoming in the future. That's not a horrible comparison from a body standpoint. Harris, though, a little bit bigger, uh, both in terms of size and in terms of how big he hits the ball. So, again, that's a nice win for him, and that's a guy he lost to earlier, I believe, in the summer. So, good victory for him. But again, Schwartzman, Harris, Sinner, Brooksby, how can you not enjoy that semifinal? And that's where things are at right now across our four Pro Tour events. Again, a little bit of everything you're looking for. Some youngsters on the rise, you know, some breakthrough performances, breakthrough players in soccer and Conteve, veterans who have clearly reached the prime of their careers now. You've also got, you know, the wary, the wary veteran in Marin Cilic making a nice run here to end the season. Plenty for us to enjoy on another Pro Tennis Championship weekend. Of course, if you've missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. And I won't lie, four days apart, five days apart, I miss him. So I'm looking forward to getting back to Indy, seeing him, seeing our dog, of course, Crack Rackets, very own Quavo, and just the entire team as we get ready to host a tournament this weekend. But of course, again, all that said, all the content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Expect some mini break podcasts this weekend as well as we monitor what should be another fun weekend of pro tennis action. But with all that said, for our super producers, Fligner and West of our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.